Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news, and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Hello and welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact. I'm Sean McIver, your host, and today I'm joined by CX legend, Nate Brown. He's a co-founder of CX Accelerator, which is a non-profit organization which provides virtual platforms that connect like-minded customer experience professionals. Among his several many accolades in customer experience, Nate's the author of CX Primer, which led him to be awarded CX Influencer of the Year in 2019. He's also the Senior Director of Customer Experience at Arise Virtual Solutions, which connects customer service agents to well-known brands. Nate, thank you very much for joining me today. I generally like to kind of throw it over the wall to yourself to see if I've missed anything in the introduction. So over to you. Hi. Yeah, well, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me on, Sean. I've been greatly looking forward to this day. And yeah, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Nate from Nashville. I love talking about customer experience and all related topics and, and can't wait to dive in and do that with you. I've got two little kiddos here in Nashville. I've got a little hobby farm out here with some chickens and some different things. And uh, we're just enjoying our life out here in Middle Tennessee. We're having an experience as a family and creating experiences for all kinds of great brands at the same time. Amazing. I'm going to say right off the bat, I absolutely love your energy. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to get jumped straight in. Um, okay, let's get to the right to the bones of it. When did you become passionate about customer experience, which for everybody who's just joined for the first time, we'll refer to as CX from here on out. Was there like a light bulb moment for you where it was just like, ah, yeah, you know, I was attempting to sell postage meters on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida as one of my first jobs out of college. And turns out I wasn't very good at selling the postage meter. And I did that for almost a full year. Uh, but one thing I discovered is those clients that had a device in their office, I loved going in there and just, hey, how's it working for you? Is there anything else we can be doing for you? How can we be serving you right now? And apparently had that customer service mentality just built into me. So when I was able to escape the postage meter business, <laughs> I went into a software. It was learning management software and it was safety science too. So it was educating adults on how to be safer in their workplace. And I was supporting that technology. And I mean, just the glorious purpose of this and also the specific function around customer service it was almost more than I could bear. I was just so excited to do this work. Like I get to help people all day on something that actually matters. Like it was just amazing to me. And having such a strange start to my career, it was one of those where like, thank goodness that this is what people do at work, you know, instead of what I was trying to do before. So I was just so excited by that. And as the years went by and I just grew into that customer service role, there was a moment in time where I realized we're just taking tickets. We're just sitting here waiting for people to contact us and we're resolving the same problems again and again and again. There has to be a better, smarter way than this. And the words I was looking for at that time, Sean, and just didn't know what customer experience is that larger customer journey management. Let's get smart. Let's get proactive and guide the customer to a better path, a more frictionless path. And let's use customer service to be more proactive and be more of that guide type of resource where it's navigating them to a place that they otherwise couldn't have gotten. 
And that's really where the doors came open to me is like customer experience is how great businesses operate. Like this is the way to serve our customers in the way that I really want to, instead of just waiting for them to generate a ticket to us. And and ever since that day, I've just been looking for ways to do that better and better. (laughs) Excellent. And I think one of the things that you said that really resonated with me and certainly what I recall from my experience, again, I was a customer representative on the front lines of a large business here in the United Kingdom. And one of the things that I recall was that sense of I wanted to make sure that customers were having the best possible experience. And there were times across all of my roles where I had minor frustrations or major frustrations even, whereby I was discouraged or the system itself was not designed for customers to have a good experience. And that was very frustrating because I've said it before, other people have said it as well. No one goes to work to do a bad job. And it's frustrating when the processes or the customer experience isn't what it could be and you feel it could be better. Oh, yeah. That leads to burnout so quickly, Sean. If you have great people that want to serve in great ways and they are prohibited from doing that, they're not going to stick around. But the people that will stick around are the folks that don't really care that much. And that's not what you want. Yeah, of course. And you end up with a workforce that as, of course, they age and embed those habits and (laughs) even the culture can then become naturally toxified as that distills down and you're left with the remnants of, without being brutal or unfair, they're left with people that you you don't necessarily want to be the bedrock of your business in terms of the customer experience and the focus on that customer express, a customer journey. So I think I was going to ask what you feel that your unique selling point is, but I'm not to put words in your mouth, but would you say that that singular focus on that customer journey, that customer experience is your unique selling point? Is that a fair assessment? Not quite. My unique selling point that I've kind of cultivated over these years is curiosity. It's putting energy and excitement into these experiences that we create. I feel like we miss that a lot. We get so caught up in the science of the work, which is so darn important. We have to prove the value of it. (laughs) We have to do project management, change management, voice of customer analytics. I mean, that's so darn important, but you can get so absorbed into that that you forget that what this work really is, is cultivating relationships and getting people excited to do business with you and to be in partnership with you. And so developing that sense of curiosity and common purpose with your customers, offering up that sense of identity and meaningful purpose together and co-creating That's really what I love about this work and what I try to cultivate in the experiences that I create. That's fantastic. I like that. Co-creative, collaborative co-creation of the experience of the customer journey. I, that, that just sings to me. That just sings to me, Nate. That's fantastic. Love it. I'm going to, so I'm aware that what I'm about to ask, I hadn't appreciated the setting and the backdrop against your wit, against that you're against right now. And genuinely, this was the question that I had written off the back of that. So bear that in mind as I read these, as I kind of, I make this statement. I read an interview that you did earlier this month that you believe CX professionals need to wear a variety of hats. (laughs) Yes. With the most critical being influence. Looking at the array of hats you have in the background, I swear this wasn't planned. (laughs) What are some of the others you would have in, say, your top five of the different hats that CX professionals need to be able to don and switch between? What an intelligent question. I I wish I had spent a little more time prepping on that one. I love the metaphor of the hat. I mean, that's really what we're doing as CX professionals. And one of my absolute favorite hat is the wizard hat. It's the Gandalf hat. (laughs) 
And why do I say that? Because I love the metaphor of Gandalf pulling together the Fellowship of the Ring and having the dwarves and the hobbits working together with the elves who would never work with anybody. And suddenly the kingdoms of humans are working together. Like he, he had this unique ability to bring people together and galvanize them under a meaningful quest, in this case, to destroy the ring. I love putting on that wizard hat of fostering collaboration and meaningful purpose. One of my absolute favorites. Another hat, and Rich Wilder, he actually has one. I got to put it on last Monday. It's, of course, the hat of the customer. And so much of this work is our ability to see through the eyes of our customers, through their lens. After all, we're trying to navigate their journey alongside them. The more assumptive that we become, the more it becomes about us as an organization that's offering up this, the gift of our services then the less that it is in in terms of us partnering with the customer to foster real loyalty and partnership. So the wizard hat is my favorite internal hat to wear. And and that customer hat is also the internal hat because you're trying to bring that voice of the customer closer, closer to the happenings of the organization and motivate the employees intrinsically by being closer to that customer's reality and seeing how they impact the lives of that customer, positively and negatively. <laughs> That's the work of a great voice of customer engine, to use that Gene Bliss term. So putting on that, that customer hat, and, and I'm going to call it your engineer hat, your hard hat, to design that voice of customer engine, which is kind of that hardware practical function. But I mean, that's how you get this car moving, is by tuning up that engine, that voice of customer element it is really, in my mind, kind of the starting work of CX. Because if we want to prove the value of the work, and if we want to not be so assumptive in the way we go about it, then we need to truly know how our customers feel about us, use those insights to understand the real friction points, that if we were to change these things, we would enhance the lives of our customers this much. (laughs) And these are the outcomes that we could expect to happen. None of that occurs without a really good, intelligent voice of customer engine. So I'm going to go with those three hats, and I apologize they're not five, but think about your wizard hat, your customer hat, and your hard hat, your construction hat. Brilliant. I love that. And it feeds beautifully. Again, it's almost like we've done a huge amount of prep for this. I've done a run through, but genuinely, we haven't. We did, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) But what I really like about that answer is that you've kind of described that with very tangible narrative. You mentioned the Gandalf hat, but then you went on to explain what you mean by that. You talked about the hard hat and fine-tuning the engine, and you talked about the customer hat. And across all of your content, in fact, you use storytelling as the vehicle for describing what it is that you're trying to describe. And I guess, how does that translate across to you as a CX professional? Why is storytelling so important to you as a customer experience professional? Well, I'll tell you who could answer that question much better than me. It's Dennis Ross. Uh, I was in at CX Forum Atlanta last week, and we had this legendary professional storyteller that graced us at this CX event. And it was one of those people, I mean, he would make eye contact with you, and your soul would just tremble with the awareness that he had of you. Like, he could just see so many things about you just through that eye contact. It was incredibly powerful. And this gentleman would use words like a scalpel and just talking about how the less you can talk, (laughs) and he, he had a much better way to say this, but the fewer words that you use and the more you earn the right to place those words in the right way at the right time, 
that's going to make you an effective storyteller. I'm still trying to kind of deal with the implications of this because I'm a chatter. I'm a chatty Cathy. I'm out here just running my mouth all the time. And I'm just trying to, the more the better, right? Quality and quantity, whatever, there's all, it's all there. I'm just going to blast you with these CX messages all the time and email and this and that, a whole variety of channels to communicate. Repetition, repetition. That's kind of my traditional knowledge. I'm really kind of thinking about that now again. And thinking, no, let's really hyper-focus on the quality of the narrative that we're telling in, in terms of this is the unique way that we serve our customers inside this organization. And here's where we're doing a great job. Here's where we can do even better, period. And really getting that focus, answering those tough questions, bringing that transparency to the organization of here's where we're serving well, here's where we're not. And that just constant reminder, this is what we're doing this is the impact that we get to make through our unique brand promise. And tying in the stories that we're telling are those of our customer. <laughs> but really focusing on the quality of it is kind of my conviction from last week. So you'll have to ask me this question again in a couple months, Sean, and I hope to have a, a better answer for you. <laughs> no, that's not a problem at all with that answer. I find that answer fascinating. It speaks to me of several things I've read previously in tangential ways, which I find really interesting. I have several friends who are in the author business, shall we say. And I was also watching a section from an interview with someone and they said that actually meditation is incredibly good for active listening because meditation is essentially a practice of singular focus and people who are very good at meditation are very good at active listening to the point where you're in a coffee shop opposite somebody or whatever the case may be and someone can drop a cup in a corner over there and you don't notice that because you're so singularly focused on what the other person is saying and I feel like that in some way, shape or form encapsulates much of what you were saying, maybe in a slightly different lens. But yeah, no, that's fantastic. I really like that. I think the thing that really matters here, Sean, if, if I were to hypothesize, and I'm not a psychologist, but it just seems so hard for people, especially now, to take a less selfish view of the things that are going on. It's really hard for us to take the focus off of ourselves. And so effective communicators and good storytellers are those that have that unique gift to truly extend their mind, extend their focus, extend their empathy into that of another human being <laughs> and to be able to tell that story effectively. But that requires us to step outside of ourself, which is a gift that I think fewer and fewer people are able to cultivate. It certainly can be very difficult. I mean, let's put ourselves, let's consider the users at the front lines as being our customers, hypothetically. Yeah. And within that context, within the context of a contact center, whatever the role of that particular user might be, the longer that you're in a contact center doing a role, the harder it can be to step out of that role and into the shoes of the customer, mm -hmm. or that can be a very, very tricky thing to do. And I guess in parallel to that, one of the things that I'm aware that customers prefer and have an affinity for is organizations and service providers who provide unique customer experiences. Yeah, sure. And so I guess one of the challenges that you could argue is that how do organizations design and deliver unique experiences and I suppose ensure that their frontline users can continue to provide those over time? 
Yeah, I mean, it's so important, this idea of personalization, and it doesn't have to be tremendous. Like, I love the term micro-personalization. And I mean, Sean, if you're interacting with a customer service professional, which I love to call them knowledge curators, and maybe we'll get into that a little later, really feel like that's a better reflection of the work that they're doing. But I mean, you generally know within those first 10 seconds, if this person has the desire and or the capability to actually help you. So, I mean, that desire is that first element. Like you can tell when somebody is burned out, you can tell if they don't give a rip, like they're just trying to get through their day. They just want you to go away. And they've had to deal with this problem 2,000 times in the past three weeks. So yeah, personalizing that experience is going to be very difficult. But if you can maintain that desire in the sense of that curiosity and that excitement of our ability to have this interaction, hey, this one wasn't automated. (laughs) And that's the value of automating all that super repetitious stuff, right? I mean, we shouldn't be burning our people out with that. If you have a true opportunity to interface with your customers in a human-to-human interaction, then gosh darn it, knock that out of the park. Do a great job with that and have people that still have that energy and excitement to make that type of interaction happen. Then you get into the capabilities realm. And that's where you're curating knowledge really effectively so that they can see this customer's journey. (laughs) They're not having to ask a bunch of stupid questions. They're not having to reach back into a historical period of time that we should know what happened with the customer in, in those moments and sit there and recycle this stuff with the customer. No, we should have that relevant context at our fingertips and be assisted through the vehicle of knowledge, through great tools and great capabilities there, to have a really excellent and seamless interaction with this customer where we accelerate them to their path to success. And they're determining what that definition of success looks like. We're just simply navigating there, navigating them there and having that excitement in the process. I mean, a lot of that metaphor is coming from building a story brand by Donald Miller, where he talks about the customer is the hero of the story. So then what does that make us? It makes us the guide. And so you're looking for knowledge curators, customer service workers that can be that guide. And that requires personalization. I see the journey you're on. I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you on this journey and I'm going to help it be more fun, better, faster, whatever the context of that collaborative journey looks like. I'm going to guide you through it proactively as best that I possibly can. But you cannot do that without making it personal, without making it personalized. Those are the things that a great guide does. It's so weird. It's kind of a bit of a case of worlds colliding for me. So some work I do, not work, but one of my hobbies that I have, I often reference the analogy I use for describing it is that I see myself as a tour guide for what I describe. And my role within that uh, hobby that I do is to act as a tour guide. Now I need to, one, I need to know the landscape. I wouldn't come to your hometown and try and be your tour guide. That wouldn't make sense. That would be insulting. And two, I'm not there to force you to take the photographs. I'm not going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and hold you up against a particular monument and go, look, 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 take the photograph. I'm going to point at it and go, I find this really interesting or this is really useful, but it's up to you as to how you choose to engage with that. And I think that's one of the things that's just jumped out to me quite remarkably because I've never had those two worlds collide in that way, which was quite unexpected. So thank you for that. It's not a coincidence at all. I mean, you're seeing your clients, you're watching what interests them and your tour over time gets better and better and more relevant and more personalized because you learn what those people like 
And so you can guide them to the things that actually matter to them. That's exactly what we should be doing in the work of customer service. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things that I noticed, Nate, was that when you were talking about personalized journeys, one of the things that you've done across the course of this very conversation, which I was very aware of, but not in a negative way, is the fact that you've done things like you've used my name throughout the course of the conversation, but not in a forced way. It's felt very (laughs) natural. And you talk about these natural skills that people have. And I wonder, in genuine question, which is completely off script here, how do you go about engendering some of those or embedding some of those natural skills that some people have for a workforce that have a diverse and different group of human skills? Yeah. What a brilliant question. I mean, for me, the best and most concise way that I could answer that is to mention another resource. It's called Prime to Perform. It's really the unlocking these intrinsic motivators and, and positive psychology to restore people into a place where they can serve outward really well. <laughs> because at the end of the day, Sean, what matters here is that people actually care. And they're not a victim of their job at some level to where they've disengaged and they've turned their brain off to some degree. They're just trying to get through. The circle of psychological safety was broken long ago. And now they're just trying to get through versus somebody who is focused outward. They care about this job. They care about the people they get to serve. They care about one another. And there's a sense of pride around this. That's when you unlock the human side of these interactions. That's when you create these great experiences every single day because it matters to you. You can't shortcut it and you can't fake that. It has to matter to these folks. So that brand core, (laughs) a CX professional is a protector. It's an educator of that brand core. And then it's asking that incredible question of what is preventing people from being able to serve through this brand core and do the work that they'd want to do as human beings to make this brand promise real every single day in the way that they can and to make that interesting and exciting for them. So, I mean, those three main motivators play a sense of curiosity and excitement about the work and then purpose and potential, which we might remember from Daniel Pink's drive quite a while ago but it's still highly relevant. We want that autonomy capability. We want to become the person that we want to become through meaningful work that we're doing. And we see the purpose element of that work. We see the difference that we're making. When we can create those three elements in the workplace, beautiful things happen, but there's some really dangerous stuff that's looking to cannibalize away from that. Inertia being the number one. We've just always done this. And we're just in this rut. We're on this track. We're just stuck. We are stuck. I hear so many CX professionals right now, and Justin Robbins is going to be rolling his eyes because he sees it too. We've been talking about this a lot. People are stuck in this form of negative inertia. How do we get them unstuck through that, the meaningful brand core and, and other great accelerators there? So a few thoughts on that, Sean. I could definitely go on there, but I think we need to move on probably. And I'm sorry for my long answer. (laughs) No, I think that's a really important point to be making. And I think it's critically important that we talk about that. And actually, the remainder of my questions are probably going to be just unpacking that a little bit more. So we talk about this inertia. And I think it's fair to say, certainly in the United Kingdom, and from what I've read in parts of the industry within the United States, that writ large, we do see this inertia within this industry of contact centers or engagement centers, whatever you, you know, however, whichever term you use. And we saw post pandemic, post COVID, post lockdown, this kind of 
change, this shift in the industry, this landscape has changed. And I guess, again, I'm going off script here, but is there a window of opportunity, which is presumably rapidly diminishing? I love this. Is there a window of opportunity to then actually grab the bull by the horns here and Ooh. actually say, how do we transform the industry to one, make recruitment easier, two, make retention a less of an issue within our contact centers, and three, by virtue of doing those things, we're then delivering on the customer experience that's going to propel our brand into the next successful era of business, whatever that may be. I think you just tapped in some really important thing here, Sean. I mean, we broke so much negative legacy inertia with this period of history. It was no longer about butts in seats. It was no longer the babysitting mentality of management that we would see in most contact centers five years ago. We're free. We are free. What are we doing with our freedom? And for so many, we're just trying to restore the same basic mentalities in a work-from-home context. We could do so much more with this period of time and really ask those hard questions of why are we even doing this? What makes our organization truly unique? both to work for and in the way that we serve our customers. And let's galvanize people around that. Let's pull the right people in that are our natural ambassadors for us. And then we just help them to do their work even better. But they already have the desire intrinsically to serve this brand purpose. They care about it already because it's a lot harder to make somebody care than it is to educate them on how to do a business process. <laughs> We are free of so many of these things. So it's asking yourself those tough questions. How are we using our freedom right now to blaze a new path towards better experiences than what we could have ever dreamed of? This should be a time of acceleration. Okay, so let's hypothesize about this right now. We've got one of our listeners out there right now is a CX professional and is galvanized by what you're saying right now, as I am. Based on your professional journey and your experiences so far, what challenges can we typically expect to face in the process of grasping customer perception? And how can CX professionals leverage the tools available, digital, virtual, whatever they may be, to better understand that customer perception? Yeah, I mean, the wet blanket that's waiting for you, <laughs> for those that are excited and seeing, hey, we can do something better here. The reality is that there's a tremendous amount of friction that's waiting both inside and, and beyond the organization. I mean, the average enterprise company has 464 custom applications that has data trapped inside of all of them. So great tools are those that unlock information and allow us to see the customer with better eyes and allow those that want to serve well, it, it makes their job better. It makes their life better and easier so that they can make their customer's life better and easier. So many tools create data silos and make our work really hard. In fact, there was an eight by eight report not long ago that the average contact center worker spends an average of 30 minutes to two hours every single day looking for remedial information that's trapped inside of a person or system. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be for a good employee that wants to serve well? They're not going to stay there. They're going to burn out and they're going to leave that job. So we have to create these great digital environments that make the customer journey clear, <laughs> that make it visible, and that allow us to do our jobs well so that we can serve well. 
And, and then it's that psychological layer of, okay, we now have the ability, the tools we need, the information we need to serve well. Now let's foster the desire. Because <laughs> if you just fostered the desire, but the ability is not there, the friction is too great, the mountain is in the way, then you've basically cultivated that flame, that desire for nothing. So right now, the challenge and the question to you, CX leader, is how much friction is in the way to your people being able to serve the customer well and fully through that brand promise? How real can you make that brand promise in a good, consistent way versus how much are they held back from being able to do that very well? Once you kind of unpack that and answer that question and start to reduce some of that friction along the way, then you're cultivating that desire simultaneously. And you arrive at a place where people have the desire and the ability and great things start to happen. Okay. So let me take that one step further then. Can you do those two things in parallel or do you need to do them in your opinion sequentially? Or is there an other option that I haven't thought of? For example, identifying the bottleneck and tackle the bottlenecks one at a time from the narrowest to the widest. Like what would your approach be? I mean, I think there's a voice of employee element here where you're kind of starting in a combined sense. Let's understand how much the friction is here presently today. And let's understand how great the desire is. In a really good pulse survey mechanism, like an office vibe or something like that, you'll get great clarity on both of those areas. Then you can kind of know, all right, we need to focus our attention here. <laughs> we got people that want to do a great job and they do not have the ability to do a great job because of the ecosystem that they're in today. There is too much darn friction. We need to focus our efforts there. Or maybe you've got a great ecosystem set up and at some point the brand promise was compromised and people became distracted and the circle of psychological safety was broken and they reverted into a self-preservation mentality and they can't overflow into outward great customer experiences. We need to focus on leadership equipping. We need to focus on culture transformation. So you can see two very divergent paths there. Now, do they overlap? Are they both incredibly important? Yes, they are. But you do need to kind of understand where are we at today? A friction-filled process ecosystem or a broken culture? And to what degree is either of those present? And hopefully they're not Either one is too, too present. And maybe it's just a tune-up in one of those two areas that's going to put you back on track in terms of that accelerating the customer experiences that you're able to generate. Uh, but, but you need to know. You need to be honest with yourself. And it requires that voice of employee starting line. Talking about businesses writ large, and I'm conscious of time, so I'll need to think about wrapping up shortly. Talking about customers writ large, clients writ large, are we talking, and you mentioned that you had the systems and you had the ability. Is there a, a lean one way or the other that you've seen as an industry trend? <laughs> I'm generally a very positive person, so I hate to say this, but I, I feel like as I work with friends, and, and I'm not, this is not about my client. I have very mature, accelerated clients that I work with from a consulting perspective. This is not me answering the question in that context. But through doing CX Accelerator and through seeing really good, honest CX leaders who are stuck in all these different ways, the answer is absolutely both. I don't see a significant lean either way. I feel like generally speaking, tool sets are broken. And that's a direct quote from Justin Robbins, who sees way more than I do. Tool sets are generally broken and it's time to fix them. 
And then we have on the other end of the coin, cultures are generally lost. They've generally become distracted in, in terms of really that capability to unlock the brand core and intrinsically motivate. At some point, leaders have lost that focus. Uh, there's so many things that have happened over these past three, four years. I mean, my goodness, I'm not picking on them at all because it is so hard to maintain the focus on that cultural transformation. And if we look at statistics from Harvard Business Review, between 80 and 90% of culture transformations fail to stick meaningfully inside the business. So it's an uphill paddle. But what that causes so many leaders to do is to give up. And you cannot. You cannot. It just requires a lot of time and intentionality and focus and that intelligence of being able to really know what the ideal culture can, should, would be. And then that patience and intentionality over time to guide people to it through your own example. <laughs> and then through earning allies and earning catalysts for that culture transformation. But my goodness, that just takes a lot of time. And most organizations do not have the patience for culture transformation. So what does that mean? It means they don't have the patience for great customer experience. Because to use the words of Annette Franz, CX change is culture change. And I believe that to my core. If you want to truly improve customer experience, what you're doing is improving the way that your business thinks about its customers and then ultimately behaves towards its customers and fosters these great experiences for them in a consistent, meaningful way. You cannot separate CX from culture change. So it's really hard, but if you truly want to do CX better, that's the path that we walk down. I find it interesting that to close us out, the thing that you mentioned there was that focus on customers and the customer experience in so many ways and through so many lenses and through so many hierarchies of business actually is a reflection on the culture that you have within your business, whether that's through the result of the broken tools, as you mentioned, and challenging processes, or whether that's through the inability of staff or the challenges within the abilities of staff. And resolving those actually is probably the single biggest driver to delivering positive customer experience when all is said and done. I think that's what I'm getting as a subtext from overt text from across this entire conversation today. Is that a fair way to summarize? I think you said it very, very well. It's assessing your maturity in both of those areas, having the boldness and the courage to be honest with yourself about where you stand in those two areas, and then starting to fight friction in a good and very positive way and restore culture and be that brand guardian. I love that term of brand guardianship. That's the work of CX. We're protecting the brand promise. So to do that, you eliminate friction, <laughs> those hurdles that prevent you from keeping the brand promise real. And then you cultivate that culture and desire to where people are seeking the fulfillment of that. They're excited by it. They're energized by it. You do those two things, you're a good CX leader. Amazing. On that note, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Um, I wish that we could go on for longer, and I'm sorry that I didn't get to all of the questions. Part two, that, Sean. Yeah, part two. <laughs> I absolutely have to get to part two with you. That was Let's do it. fantastic. Thank you ever so much once again. To I'm very delighted to have you on with us today. Nate Brown, just absolutely fantastic conversation. Thank you ever so much for your time today. Well, thank you, Sean. Great questions. And thank you, everybody. Thank you for your curiosity to learn and keep growing. So sure appreciate you. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. 
Talk Time is brought to you by Max Contact. To find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening.